This is Michael Cowan, and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. He helps us pan for the gold inside ourselves. You need to have grit. I mean, a lot of this is grit. I feel like I've been made a better lawyer. They're talking about something that's real to them. You have to be really careful not to be Goliath. They saved a bunch of lives and changed society forever. But let's just begin the conversation. Welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation, your source for guidance to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your practice. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan. Today on the show, I have my partner, Sonia Rodriguez. Uh, Sonia is joining me for another Table Talk episode. Uh, When we created the podcast, we wanted to share information that would help you with your practice as a trial lawyer, and we've asked you guys to email in requests for topics you'd like us to cover. One topic we've got a lot of requests on is how to handle defense medical what we call what they call experts or I call paid opinion witnesses and so Sonia and I are going to talk to you about some of the things we've done and I hope it's helpful to you in your practice good morning Sonia morning so today we're going to talk about what the defense calls defense medical experts what I call paid opinion witnesses um, and just talk about some things we've seen that work and don't work with the uh, defense medical witness. And I mean, this is such a, a sham. I mean, we have these people, they call themselves independent medical examiners. They're not independent. They're picked by the defense lawyers and the insurance companies. We know what their reports are going to say as soon as we hear the name. Uh, we don't, you know, we still read them, but you know, every client has pre existing degenerative changes. Every client has no acute traumatic injury or if they do that it was fully resolved and no further medical treatment is needed Uh, and and it's the same case after case after case Uh, i think it's a huge fraud uh, that's being perpetrated on our clients and on the jurors and the court system Uh, but what do we do to expose this and to show the jurors the truth well i think it's super critical that we really get into um, the relationships that the experts have with the lawyers who've hired them how often they've been used by that firm or by the defense industry, um, how much money they make um, from that business, what percentages of their practice are dedicated to reviewing files for defense lawyers versus actually practicing medicine. Um, I think that goes a long way in exposing um, these witnesses uh, for what they are, which is, you know, paid defense expert witnesses. Yeah, and like I said, I don't like that term even expert because I don't want to give them the mantle of authority of expert. I'm, Keith Bitnick in his book, uh, Don't Eat the Bruises, uses the term paid opinion witness. And I think that's really the most accurate term to use because they're getting paid to give an opinion that will help the people paying them. Um, you know, there's people that stand on the street corners that pay you to love them and they're going to the people that you, you can pay to love your case and that's what they are. I know I'm being a little extreme out there, but that's really, uh, it really bothers me to see someone misuse a medical degree to, instead of doing no harm, to actually try to harm the legitimately injured patients for money. I mean, it's as, it's as bad as it gets. Uh, I think definitely exposing that relationship, I think you're right, in exposing the, the financial ties, the bias. I also think going in, and it takes some work, and sometimes... You know, we see these people all the time. Sometimes what you're getting in your deposition is, is to set up your future depositions. You're not necessarily going to get it all the first time. Uh, but going in and discovering why is this doctor 
instead of treating patients, reviewing medical records, meeting with defense lawyers, and giving opinions on lawsuits. What caused that doctor to do that? Right. There's no doubt that the doctor would likely be making more money if he or she were in private practice. So the fact that they're sitting in a room reviewing medical records tells you something about their business choice. Yeah, it depends on their private practice. A good surgeon would make a lot more money doing surgeries than reviewing medical records, but a doctor that just has an office practice because no one will refer surgical patients or a doctor that for some reason can't do a surgery anymore that's a whole different story. Have you ever discovered anything interesting on these doctors' backstories? Well, I think that uh, some of the things that you can get on their backstories is not so much, um, I've never really discovered anything, you know, that they're making a, a living doing something solely for reviewing cases. But one thing that you do, if you dig deep enough, you can find flaws in the in their practice when it comes to the part of their business that's dedicated to reviewing medical records and then their small part of their practice that's dedicated to reviewing patients, their, uh, to meeting patients. There's an infamous case in Bear County where a doctor actually treated a patient as a uh, treating doctor and then um, because of poor checks and balances in his own office, ultimately a few years later actually authored an opinion that the surgery that he previously had recommended for her was not needed and so there wasn't a conflict review in his office and you know it made him really look bad when there was a report that he treated her and said she needed surgery as a result of this car wreck and then a couple years later the opinion was a completely different when it was um, paid for by the defense yeah that's that's frightening yeah I've also found you know the reason and I'll give an example. There was a doctor that gives opinions throughout the state of Texas. He's calls himself a surgeon, but he doesn't do surgeries anymore. Why? Well, he had asymptomatic pre-existing degenerative changes. Sound familiar to our cases? Mm-hmm. He's riding a jet ski. He hits a wave too hard. He ends up needing a five-level fusion, and as a result of the radiculopathy that wasn't, which is the the nerve problems that weren't completely solved by this five-level fusion, he could no longer do surgeries, and he started making a living testifying in lawsuits and reviewing papers for insurance companies. Well, his story is a lot like the story that our clients go through. I mean, they have natural aging processes, which the defense calls degenerative changes, and they are exposed to trauma, and then they're hurt. But it's interesting that when the doctors... And, and you'll find this with many of the defense doctors. They go into it because they have some kind of injury or problem where they can't do surgery anymore. It was legitimate for them, but then when they get paid on the other side, it's not. And, and just telling that story, it's a real-world example that what happens to our clients happens in the real world. Well, I think that, you know, telling the story of why the defense paid experts are doing what they do is probably a long game. You're not, Like you said, you're not going to get that information right in one deposition, which is why it's so important to um, cull any depositions where that witness has testified before, you know, become member of of your local trial lawyer association, your local trial lawyer association, and and, um, find everything you can on that witness, because there may be one or two nuggets of information that that witness testified to years ago that you're building on to actually tell the story of why this doctor isn't actually treating patients anymore. And I got all this 
from other lawyers and then build on it on the, on the cases where I found the background of the doctors. Right. And if you're reading a, a deposition, a two-year-old deposition with a critical eye towards uh, telling this underlying story, you're going to pick up on answers that weren't followed up on because, you know, the previous lawyer may not have been looking to tell that story. So it's kind of fun to go back and look at um, old depositions and, and um, scour for uh, what it is that you think you might be finding in the way of dirt on a witness. And not just dirt, but you've had an interesting one recently where you networked and uh, found a deposition where the doctor was testifying uh, regarding one of his own patients as opposed to being hired as a defense paid opinion witness. You know, one of the reasons that I love trial lawyers is that by and large we're team players and, um, you know, I made a call and um, asked a lawyer for a deposition that I'd seen on a listserv he'd, he'd taken of a witness and uh, within six hours he'd sent me the complete deposition of the doctor I was deposing and it was you know a watershed moment in the case because that doctor had completely forgotten about the deposition he'd given in in that previous case and ultimately I let him testify for about an hour um, without springing that deposition on him. So it wasn't until I had him nice in the box in the corner um, that I sprung this previous deposition and there was no way he could get out of it. And so but for this, you know, local San Antonio attorney who was generous enough to dig through his file and email me right away when I asked, um, you know, it, it wouldn't have gone the way that it did. But basically his opinions were the, the opposite when it was his patient than they were when he was getting paid by an insurance company. Right. In, in the previous case, he treated an elderly woman with uh, degeneration uh, that he said were degeneration, despite all of the signs that he called degeneration. He opined in that prior case that her surgery that he was recommending that he do um, was caused by a car wreck. And so fast forward three years, and he was now being paid as an expert in a case, um, paid to give an opinion in the case. And um, he had a much younger woman with signs of what he called the degeneration that he refused to say were caused by a, a car wreck. So it's, um, it was interesting to, to see him try to wiggle out of that. Yeah, networking is it's good to network with other lawyers, get on listservs, but I thought also networking with the doctors that will talk to us, uh, like with our treating doctors, they often know the gossip on the defense paid opinion witnesses. And I know one, for example, there's one guy down in McAllen, Texas, we see on our cases all the time. And, you know, we talked to some of our doctors, and he goes, yeah, he worked for us originally when he first came down here, and he was not a good surgeon. We would not send him anyone, and in, in, he's known in the medical community of not being a good surgeon in fact I don't think he's done a spine surgery in years and then you know when we asked the guy in his depot he had to admit all his cases are spine cases where he's saying you don't need spine surgery you'd get better it's all degenerative he hasn't done a spine surgery since 1991 right and so because he can't make money doing what surgeons do because other doctors don't refer him clients or patients he's had to go and then work for the insurance company trying to deny medical care deny justice to people because that's how he makes his living. I think if there's any area of the personal injury practice where um, 
over preparation is still not enough, it is in this arena. I don't think that you can ever over prepare for a, a medical doctor's expert because once you've got the medicine down, you can still pull their authorities. Once you've got their authorities scoured and cross-referenced and double-checked and you can still pull their personal background information. I mean, there, it just can go on forever, but there, you can never over-prepare for a, a defense medical doctor expert. What do you mean by pull their authorities? Well, one of the things that I've always found that is fun to do, this is a sick form of fun, right, but is to actually pull the tangible authorities that the defense um, paid experts are using to rely on and go to the page in line and see if what they say actually does say what it says. Absolutely. And um, oftentimes you're going to find that it doesn't actually say what it says. Sometimes you may even find that it says the opposite of what it says. And then occasionally you will find that the sources of authority that they're using are not actually... Um, the authorities that people are use the doctors are using today. It may be outdated. It might be an old edition. It might be uh, from a different area of medicine. You know, I can't tell you the number of doctors that I've had use the definition of radiculopathy that's used in the workers' compensation arena, and that's very different than the definition of radiculopathy that doctors use in their practice to treat patients. And so. Um, really drilling down on their authorities and their um, I look at it as a you know a table of contents I just go through their reports and I highlight every single place where they rely on um, some tangible book paper uh, or, or medical literature and then I go pull it and see if it says what they say it says it's no different than when we're in court and opposing counsel pulls an opinion it wouldn't no lawyer would go into a hearing without pulling the opinion to see if it actually says what the opposing counsel says it says. And so there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that exact same thing with these witnesses. Absolutely. And sometimes you have to fight them. To, you know, they always want to say, what well, this is well known. This is Everyone knows this. And I remember we had the radiologist down in South Texas and he went, he did his uh, fellowship at Yale. So he was like the neuroradiologist, the man. And, you know, he testified really well at first. And so I knew I had to find some way to get him because he, he, he was a professional witness. He stares at the camera. He never looks at you. He's got examples. And it's all BS, but he looks, he has a good dog and pony show. And so I was starting to get after him. I said, doctor, you know, you say that, you can tell by looking at the MRI that this is not from trauma because there's nothing white, basically. There's no water, fluid where fluid shouldn't be. He goes, that's right. And that's your opinion. And in every case I've ever had with you, you said because there's no like bright white things on the MRI that it's not from the car wreck. That's right. Okay, well, can you give me any magazine, book, article, anything in the whole world that supports your opinion? And he said, well, they'd all do. They look at all. Okay, well, let me, I'm, doctor, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to file a motion with this court saying that you're making things up <laughs> and that this is not scientific. And you're, you're, one of the things you're going to have to do is have some kind of backup. Can you name any journal? I mean, you've got journals in your, article, in your office. We have books in your office. Can you just go to the bookshelf and pull one book, magazine, journal article, paper, anything that supports your opinion? And finally, he goes, just get 
you know, Scott Atlas, MRI of the brain and spine. It's all over there. You'll see the pictures. It's exactly what I'm saying. And so I don't have time to do it during that deposition, but I go online, the Amazon.com, before I forget, during our depo break, I order it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go through it, and there's actually a part in there that says something like, you know, over the years there's been interest from lawyers, insurance companies, and other people as to whether or not you can tell by looking at an MRI as to whether something was caused by trauma or not. And it says it is without scientific or medical oh, basis goodness. to date the the herniation. And it basically said unless you have a prior MRI, you cannot tell by looking at the MRI whether it was caused by trauma or not. It was the exact opposite of what he said. Right. Uh, and then, you know, and then I, the next depo I had with him, I pulled it on him, and he just started. And now whenever I do it, he just says, data herniation, I'm not trying to go out with it. And, you know, and just evades the subject, and he looks like a total liar. Now they don't use him on our cases right. anymore. Well, I mean, I think that you make a good point. You know, it, it's it's not all stuff you're going to get in that one deposition. And some lawyers out there listening to this podcast don't have the benefit of a report. There are some jurisdictions where you don't have the um, report in front of you to scour, and you've got to do it. Uh, you've got to get this information in the deposition, like what authorities they rely on. And, of course, there are those experts that will say it's their own experience that they're relying on. And the astute lawyer is going to be able to uh, take advantage of that. that. Um, I had a doctor uh, psychiatrist who was offering the opinion that my client's uh, sexual assault wasn't... um, the source of the long-term depression and anxiety that she was having several years following her her rape. And um, he didn't have any authority, any book or, or paper that he could cite to for this opinion of his. So what he based it on was his own personal years of experience in um, evaluating and treating uh, rape victims and rape survivors. And so we, I went with him on that and asked him for the details of some of the cases that he'd been involved in. And they were pretty graphic and they were very um, traumatic situations. But ultimately his conclusion, because of his experience, and we got him, he, he said this on the record, his conclusion was that my client's rape wasn't that bad by comparison and it was a horrific thing for him to say under oath and recorded on videotape (laughs) and as you might imagine the case settled shortly thereafter but sometimes if you're if you're facing a witness who is going to stand firm on his or her opinion that it's that way because I said so You'll never know until you dive into why do you say so? Tell me what the difference is. And so they were very uncomfortable conversations about sexual assault victims and survivors that he'd dealt with in the past. But if I hadn't been willing to just follow that trail where it led, he wouldn't have been so frustrated with me at one point in saying at the end, you know, that my client's sexual assault wasn't that bad by comparison. Um, but it provided a, a perfect soundbite for negotiation purposes. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I'm sure he wasn't used very often by the, that lawyer after that. No. For good reason. We'll return to part two of this podcast in just a moment. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide. 
Are you an attorney with a catastrophic injury or wrongful death case you'd like to discuss with host Michael Cowan? If so, you can reach Michael by calling 210-941-1301 or send an email to michael at cowanlaw.com. We now return to the rest of this episode of Trial Lawyer Nation. Now, I've noticed there's, I, I kind of have two schools of defense paid opinion witnesses. There's the ones that are total advocates for the defense and will do whatever they can to help them no matter what. And I found the other ones that to try to help, they play these semantic and definition games, but if you get past those, you can kind of turn them into your witnesses. So you'll have a doctor saying, well, when I look at the MRI, this is all degeneration and most people have degenerative changes. That's all true. Those are all true statements right. that most of our clients MRIs have degenerative changes on them because most human beings have natural aging and have degeneration. Um, but when you go, some of those doctors, you can ask them the questions like, almost everybody over the age of 25 or 30 is going to have degenerative changes. Yes, that's natural aging, yes. Degeneration is normally not painful. Yes. Degeneration normally does not require surgery. Yes. Now, you can have someone with the degeneration or natural injury and then expose them to trauma and that could cause those conditions to become painful yes and sometimes if you have pain plus degeneration you do need surgery yes you're not aware of any evidence that my client had any pain the day before the crash are you no you're not calling my client a liar cheater fraud no i'm not okay do you have any reason to believe that she has not had pain ever since she says she did yes it's in the medical records okay so the evidence we have is no pain before correct there's pain ever since, yes. And trauma added degeneration can cause those degenerative changes to become painful, yes. And sometimes they even go with, so you would agree the most likely cause of my client's pain is the crash. Yes, I'd have to agree with that. They'll begrudgingly. And sometimes you'd even get, you know, now the pain is the reason for the surgery. Would you agree that but for the crash, my client would not have had the surgery? And sometimes they'll say, well, I don't think surgery was necessary anyway. But okay, but the reason that it was done was because of the pain that was caused by the crash. And sometimes you get them to agree with that and you end up actually playing their their deposition as part of your case in chief. Well, the point that I think that you make is that with respect to defense opinion paid expert witnesses is that you can never take that deposition with a broad stroke. You've got to be able to drill down on one word and one definition and tease that out just so carefully and artfully and then you if you do it right you can use that testimony to your advantage because at the end of the day there are some terms they can't disagree with i mean there are some medical uh terms that they have to agree with because it's in the it's in the medicine but going into these depositions uh with a broad brush you're not going to get that uh, that testimony you've got to be patient and you've got to plan meticulously to be able to go do the line of questioning that you just you just um, gave an example of you do you have to listen for openings and you have to realize is this somebody because I want to take them down one or two roads I want them to get them to agree with me and become my witness or I want to paint them as so extreme that they'll say every doctor in the case committed my practice that they should all be reported to the medical board that and start naming other doctors in other cases so that you know, someone in the jury is going to have been treated by some doctor he says commits malpractice and is a horrible doctor, get him to disagree with everybody else. So I, I want them either one extreme, that they're just way out there and they're obviously paid advocates, or I want to turn them and try to turn them into my witness. And you don't know, you know, you know with some because you've deposed them before, but when you're going in there, you have to have a game plan where you're, 
okay, this is what I'm going to do if they'll give it to me. This is what I'm going to do if they don't give it to me. And then not be just looking at your notes and going question by question, but listening to what's not said, listening to the little pauses, facial, looking at facial expressions and saying, okay, what's this witness going to do if I go here or there? And sometimes you get it wrong. But so what? It's a depot. You edit it. Right. It's kind of like a, like a podcast. When we <laughs> screw up, we, you know, we just record over that part. And well, the one thing that you made a note of is that um, in in our previous talk on the podcast, I talked about how this is the place to you know when you sometimes when you take a deposition, you put your pen down and you listen carefully. Um, you know, preparing for a medical defense paid witness. Uh, you're walking in and you're never going to be able to know as much as they do about the medicine unless you're a doctor yourself. And so I think one of the ways that I've prepared to overcome that, you know, uh, intimidation factor is you call up your doctor, you take in the questions you have and you have them help you poke holes. So when you're going into the deposition, you have an outline, hopefully, of what your own doctor's consultants have already told you our weaknesses in those opinions so you're walking in with a, a specific game plan so you know when I'm talking about going in prepared it doesn't mean just pretending to practice medicine for the next three days in preparation for a, a deposition but it also means consulting with other doctors consulting with other experts and other lawyers who've deposed that doctor so that you know where the weaknesses are now, sometimes they ask to examine our clients. Uh, some states, they have the right to do it. Texas, there's actually, you know, they may or may not have the right to do it um, in the different standards in federal and state court. What is your approach to that when someone asks, hey, we, wanna, we want our paid opinion witness to examine your client? Well, one of the very first things, it's, and it should be a knee-jerk reaction for everybody, is that the defense is going to call it an independent medical exam. And so we know right away that we'll never refer to it as an independent medical exam because it isn't at all independent. It's a defense-paid opinion, and so uh, we don't refer to it as an independent medical exam. But the other, the other um, thing that the, you should always do is never – I mean, if the jurisdiction doesn't – require it, then you should always put up a fight because you know walking in the only thing that's going to come of that is is a negative opinion um, for your client. So uh, making sure that the defendant uh, lawyer is going to meet every uh, requirement that the court has in uh, to allow them to have the exam and then asking the court for certain protections for your client when that exam goes forward. Um, we've seen some examples where the court will require a very detailed explanation of exactly what examination will uh, take place, how long it will take place, who can be there. Um, we've also had some requirements that the court will allow us to videotape the examination. Uh, to ensure that what the doctor is saying he or she is doing is actually what is done. Um, and uh, I've actually attended some m medical examinations of my clients so that I'm there and I can provide some semblance of a, a protection and observation of the exam. Yeah, I find it very telling that more than half the well, first of all, more than half the time when we fight them because of the Texas rules, and I know there's a lot of our opponents that listen to this podcast, so I'm not going to go into 
what they have to do, but there are certain there's a burden of evidence they have to meet. Defense lawyers aren't used to having to meet a burden of proof, and they often fail to meet it. So about half the time it just gets denied. But when it gets granted and we've got a judge to order that it be videoed, the vast majority of defense paid opinion medical witnesses will not do an exam if it's videoed. And to me that's very telling. If it's videoed, why won't they do it? Because the truth is they don't do the exams that they say they do, or when they do them, they don't accurately record the findings. Uh, and they know they're going to get caught, and they just refuse. Uh, one other thing that I've found useful is that I found some of these, because they're not acting as doctors or acting as paid advocates for the other side, is they will take what they call a history, but they will go into great details about how the wreck happened, go into liability issues, go into all kinds of things that have nothing to do with their medical opinions. And I just put it this way, Judge, what they want to do is basically do a deposition of my client, except with no lawyer present, and with no court reporter present, where the defense lawyer, imagine if this doctor was a defense lawyer, they want to go in a room alone with my client, ask them questions, and they write down the answer with no verification as to whether that's what my client really said. Uh, and we've had cases where now one particular doctor doesn't speak Spanish, as not for just me, but other people, other lawyers I know have had clients that when there was not a sufficient court order in there, has had these people evidently confess to him, oh, I'm not really hurt, I'm not really in pain, uh, but every other medical record says they are, the clients tell us, I didn't say that. Um, and so, but then it's our client's word against the, the doctors and until we go bring in the other people from other cases, and, and we, but we've been able to use that to get the doctor to limit you know, what he talks about and in that particular person not let them be there without uh, someone taping it, a certified interpreter, because he gets things wrong. How, I mean, how does he know that someone who happens to work for him is going to interpret the Spanish correctly uh, if that person's not a certified interpreter? So we've done, you know, we've done a lot of good. And what happens with him is if you acquire an interpreter, he won't do it. Mm. If you have a video, he won't do it. Why? Because he's a liar. Well, I think that um, by and large, even if a judge isn't going to order a videotape for whatever, uh, you know, allow the, video, the exam to be videotaped, for whatever reason, uh, you make the exact argument for why uh, the lawyer should, at the very least, be allowed to be present. Because if there, it, it should not be a second deposition or you know a deposition of your client without their lawyer present. The only problem about going yourself is then, if you have to be a witness, then you can get conflicted on the advocate witness rule. So maybe if you have someone else you work with, a paralegal. Yeah. Uh, I know some people hire nurses. I've never actually done that. I've heard of people doing that. Uh, you know, to attend. But some things like you and I wouldn't know, like if they if they do an exam and you know, their leg's supposed to twitch one way and it, it does right. or doesn't twitch that way, we wouldn't know. Right. But if you get it videoed and then there's people that can watch that for you. I know Dorothy Sims has a service where she'll have a doctor review the video and see did the doctor do what the doctor claimed he or she did? Did the exam show what the doctor purports that it showed? Uh, and it's not that expensive. And, you know, that's something... That, you know, when you get the video, you can do. And, and the other thing is just to listen to what's said. Sometimes the what's said and the what's written down are very different. Right. Uh, another thing, when you're examining the the doctor, you know, we we hate them often. I mean, because we see them again and again and again. We know what they are, but the jury doesn't. So, how do you approach tone-wise, and when you're doing the cross-examination? of the defense doctor to avoid turning off the jury and looking like a mean person? 
well, I don't think I'm naturally a mean person, so I just try to go in there and be as polite as I can and, you know, being mindful of the fact that the jury is going to be seeing this witness for the very first time, even if you've seen them, you know, year after year. Um, but also being mindful of the fact that the jury is still judging you. And if you come off as a jerk or a bully or keep cutting off the witness in the middle of a sentence, I mean, it's going to come through. And so, I mean, I think that the reality is that we've, uh, we've got to take these depositions um, mindful of the fact that they're going to be, there's a possibility it's going to be played back for the jury. Absolutely. And I know at least in Texas, the defense almost always just videotapes their own expert. And so your, your deposition is your trial cross. And I think mm-hmm. demeanor, tone of voice is so important because, you know, we need to very nicely and politely tell a story on our cross-examination that leads the jury to their own conclusion that this is a, a bought and paid for person, that leads the jury to their own conclusion that they and their families are actually in danger if paid opinion witnesses can get away with allowing companies to harm people and then get away with it because they can pay money to get someone to get them out of it. Uh, but they have to get their own conclusions. So when we, we just go rip into them, you know, it, it, it doesn't work. I, I agree. And I think that um, I think today's jury is a little bit tired of theatrics and, and you know, overly enthusiastic lawyers. And so the idea of letting the jury reach their own conclusions with the information that you give them uh, or that, the wit- that you can elicit from the witness is much more effective than, you know, pounding on the table and yelling and yeah. getting in a, in a witness's face. And especially on video, it just comes across as very thrill. Right. The, but I mean, you still need to tell the truth. I mean, when they came in there and said, well, I did an independent medical exam, and you start off, well, you say it was independent. But they picked you. The defense picked you. And, you know, and I, I don't even try to use the word other than defense. Now, we can't use insurance company. I mean, but, you know, the, the almost all your work is for the people that hurt somebody, that caused a crash and don't want to pay money to the person that got hurt. Or, you know, I. Or I, corporations. I, or, or, or whatever it is. I mean, but I used to say, you know, most of your work is against patients. Mm-hmm. It's, it's someone, they, they got, were in an incident. They say they were hurt. Their treating doctor says they're hurt, and then you get hired by the person who does not want to pay money to the, to the compensation of the person whose own doctor says they're hurt, and that's where you get hired. Because people don't they, they get plaintiff and defense and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, they don't confused. know the difference. And so you say that it was an independent medical examination, but the judge didn't appoint you. I mean, the party that doesn't want to pay, the defendant, they picked you, correct? And they paid you for this for the time doing the opinion, the examination, and they paid you to write your report and they're paying you to be here today so it wasn't independent I mean they picked and paid you you know and this that that picked and paid for is something else that I got from Keith Mitnick what do you um, do when you have picked and paid for on your side because if you're critical of them for being picked and paid then you have your own picked and paid well that's why when we make sure with our uh, expert witnesses that we establish what we call anchors that we show that our our people are following scientific roles our people are supported by uh, good literature and methodology. I think that, yeah, that, that you have to make sure that if you're going to be critical of a defense paid opinion witness, you need to make doubly sure that your witnesses got their T's crossed and I's dotted. Absolutely. But the other thing is, you know, ours are usually supported by a lot more. Mm-hmm. I often, our doctors will say, as far as I know, there was no pain before, there's pain afterwards, therefore the most likely cause is the pain. That's a pretty 
easy opinion to accept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it makes sense. When our doctor says, yeah, everyone has natural aging, but usually don't need surgery for it. That's a pretty easy opinion to accept. And then when we bring in five other people, yes, I worked with this person for four years, and every day at work before the wreck, they seemed fine. In fact, mm-hmm. after work, we do X, Y, and Z together, and then I can tell that they were different afterwards, and here's the things they couldn't do, and here's what I've seen on their face. And, you know, we have other evidence supporting what our doctor is going to say. Uh, and also, I think, you know, there's a difference between being, I mean, sometimes I, I know what you're saying. Sometimes we hire paid opinion witnesses, too. Um, but I, I don't care. I just let them attack ours. I'm still going to attack theirs and show mm-hmm. them for what they are. And then hopefully, like I said, ours, we, we have backed up. So we're not relying on their credibility, but we're showing their work. We're showing that they are they have some kind of literature or study or something behind what they have to say. Or, you know, sometimes a treating doctor, you don't get that. But they're, they are a treating doctor. They are you know, doctors in the community treating patients, right. and this is what they do. So I, I just don't even worry about that. You know, I think the, the last thing just to remember is, you know, the you can't look at the defense opinion witness examination in isolation. You have to have a big plan for your trial. So, for example, if you have that article or that book chapter that absolutely contradicts what they're going to say, you can't rely on them to recognize it as authoritative so that it becomes a learned treatise under the rules. You need to make sure that you have a plan with your doctor that your doctor is going to prove it up and give the foundation as the learned treatise so that you could go and, and do that. And an example is the case that Mallory and I tried uh, last year, and our our client got a broken leg because she stepped off a bus and the bus driver had not deployed the step. And after she gets off, someone hits the button, the step comes out, hits her in the leg because she's an older woman and her legs are weak, it breaks really badly. And the defense had a biomechanical expert and a medical doctor, both of whom said, no, because of the characteristics of this fracture, it had to be from her stepping down and stepping wrong, not from something hitting her on the side of the leg. Uh, and you know, we worked with our people, and it was in what's called a transverse fracture. And you know, our our doctor found an article, a book that was a well-established book on broken bones that says a transverse fracture is one caused by a perpendicular load, which is a load that's coming from the side, not going up and down like when you step. Uh, and so. I had proven that up with my doctor and also got, there was some, something else called ecchymosis where we proved it up, we were fighting about what it meant and we'd proven up the medical dictionary with my doctor when they were on direct so that way I could go and cross-examine it, cross-examine and then show the jury that the books, in this case, both of them they admitted having in their library mm-hmm. said the opposite of their opinion and then they had no literature with them to support their opinions and well, it I mean, was I a think- lot of fun. I think that that's, that goes back to the, the point that we were both making earlier is that these depositions are a long game and you can't go in and think you're going to capture some aha moment or, or, you know, Perry Mason opportunity with this witness. Sometimes all you're doing with the defense paid opinion witness is simply laying the foundation to highlight your own witnesses, your own doctor's testimony. Um, to criticize them but or showing uh, what they don't know or what they don't have and it's perfectly okay sometimes to walk out of a, a defense paid opinion witnesses deposition knowing that you didn't get some aha moment but you laid the building blocks to be able to crush them later with your own witnesses at trial and at the end of the day I've I've lost cases for many reasons 
I do not believe I have ever lost a case because of what a defense paid opinion witness says because people know that people who are getting paid money to testify in lawsuits are not credible. And as long as we're not afraid of them and we do the work to expose them, even if we don't have our aha moment, they're usually not very effective. And I think people get way too worried about them uh, when the juries are really good about seeing them for who they are. Right, right. Well, Sonia, I think that's, uh, that's a wrap for today. I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been uh, fun, Michael. And I hope this was useful to you. If there are any other topics you'd like to see us discuss, please email us, and we'd be glad to talk about them. Thank you for joining us today on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our show. I always love hearing from you, so please continue contacting us via email at podcasts at triallawyernation.com or send us a message through our Trial Lawyer Nation Facebook page. Maybe your question will be the topic for our next Table Talk conversation. Don't forget to visit our website at triallawyernation.com to opt into our mailing list and stay up to date on our new episodes. Lastly, we now have a private group called Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle on Facebook. This exclusive group will allow you to hear about podcasts before they air, interact with the show, as well as get a sneak peek at some of the behind-the-scenes moment. If you have a Facebook account, be sure to send us a request to join the group. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to having you with us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. We look forward to talking with you again soon as we continue to explore powerful insights from our amazing host and remarkable guests here on Trial Lawyer Nation. Until then, please be sure to subscribe and review this podcast on iTunes or your favorite listening app so we can continue to reach more listeners. Visit us at www.triallawyernation.com to send us a message, listen to previous podcasts, or learn more about Michael Cowan and our guests. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our hosts, guests, or contributors and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.